0: Hey everyone, welcome to Figuring Out. Uh, it's me, Karthik, and co-host Sunsing, and we are here to talk about learning today.
1: So uh, over to you, Sunsing. How are we gonna do this? Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you some questions, and we'll figure some stuff out together okay. so yep. for for those of you that don't know karthik and i are friends because we joined this program called the teach from malaysia fellowship mm-hmm. and we were both teachers together right so education and learning is something that uh is is a big part of our lives right yeah. and uh i continue to work for teach from malaysia and you work for google and now google is relatively synonymous with this idea of learning right like if you want to know something mm. you like you google it right yeah. um so I, I i'm interested to just learn a little bit more about you and uh your journey and your relationship with learning i think that when we think about a classroom yeah. and a kid in a class uh, one of the things at Teach from Malaysia that we think about is the, the power of relationships and that relationships are such an important thing um, in enabling a child to learn. And typically when we think of relationships, we think of relationships with the teacher, with mm. your other classmates, with um, your parents and stuff. But sometimes we often forget or we don't highlight the fact that every individual has a relationship with learning. And their experience with learning, um, it could be a positive one. It could be a negative one, and that shapes uh, how you actually learn as an individual. So interested to hear more about like your relationship with learning. I think that you are a fascinating individual. Um, you read how many books last year? Fifty-eight uh, books last year. So more than a book a week. Yeah. I read three two <laughs> i read one book is, is, fully is, is that the fully read or the number of books you started reading <laughs> <laughs> No, the number of books i started reading was was a lot more i fully read one yeah. when breath becomes air oh, like every nice. word yes. uh, i read most of pedagogy of the oppressed and i read a children's book called the horse the boy the mole and the fox something like that but that was a great book Right, uh, that's it. <laughs> Three versus fifty eight. What, what about uh, Trevor Noah? I thought you were right. uh, I'm not. I'm not
0: done yet. No, oh, not I'm done yet. Done but you're close. Okay, but that would be this year's uh, That's this yeah, year. That's
1: yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. So, okay. Yeah. Um. So tell us. Yes. um What would you say? Maybe start off with now. Like, what would you say? Yeah. Your relationship with learning is how do you how do you view it? Um. Okay. So it, it's it's.
0: So when I was thinking about the whole concept um of like you know my growth when it comes to learning right and I, I actually so now i feel I to get here uh it is quite in has been a quite interesting journey for me um but if i were to just like you know reflect back my my time uh growing up uh it was a very different experience i think that's that's something i need to call out because uh even when it came to like speech right uh i actually struggled with speech i uh, struggled with uh being able to articulate words uh because I was a premature baby and uh, for some reason uh, speech development was actually stunted for me uh, when I was uh, until the age of like six, mm-hmm. seven. So I used to go to like these like speech classes, speech training, trying to articulate because otherwise I would be able to understand the word. Um, let's say if I were to say the word, uh, hey everyone, uh, for me that would be like, like I, I don't know how to articulate it. But in my mind, I'm trying to say the right word. I know how it sounds. But I'm not able to actually speak it because it's some connection to my, I guess, like vocal cords or the way I use my tongue uh, to 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 articulate, right? Um, but I guess that that's kind of like one of the uh, relationship that I have with learning. It is with a lot of like struggle, uh, if, mm-hmm. if if that's the word I would use, right? So it's always about being able to bridge that. Okay, there's always a strong Defici- deficiency uh, when it comes to me acquiring knowledge or being able to uh, speak something. So then, you know, throughout my life, um, I've studied Mandarin, I've studied Tamil, I went for formal classes for six years for both. <laughs> I studied, like, you know, guitar, all of this until today, I can't do any <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's and, and that's my relationship, right? There's, there's certain things that I've really tried really hard and have never been able to uh, pick up. So then there's this, like, innate like uh, almost almost an innate uh, belief that I'm always not competent uh, because I've tried something so hard and, uh, and, and I, I couldn't uh, pick it up. But then there's also the, the learning in that the, the journey, right? Um, and when I reflect back, I, I can explicitly remember why I was struggling so much. So if you think of like speech, it's because of like, you know, um, the way that I was taught to speak came with a lot of uh, punishment. So, my, because I used to stay with my grandparents and, you know, uh, the expectation is that my sister uh, is such a fast learner and so, Karthik, like, you know, you've got to pick it up. So, it's always that kind of, like, comparison throughout life, right? Um, then when it came to, like, guitar, again, comparison. You know, sister is such a natural and you can't even, like, strum, like, C-string or mm. I don't know, this, the mm. whole thing. And then when it came to, like, uh, language, I'm always, like, you know, in a, in a Tamil class, I'm, like, not, like, I'm not... Tamil enough or I know I'm, I'm, I can't then when I'm like learning and I'm like you know there's like the whole process to it, right like in Tamil there's like uh uh ee ee oo like this whole like you know r- uh, uh, pronunciation as well as, like writing. Uh, I don't know but
1: <laughs> no, yeah, it's like didn't.
0: it's like a b c d but like it, it's like in that format and as i'm doing it you know i'm like you know so nervous right so i'm like you know uh cracking my knuckle and i'm uh, shaking my leg and as i'm doing that you know, i get like you know hey you can't like crack a knuckle you can't like you know uh, uh shake your leg then i'm like come on like you know like, do you do want me to learn or do you want me to like you know behave like it's too many like rules um and that's always been like this uh, restriction and when the environment is restrictive or punitive in that sense i feel like that's when my learning breaks down mm-hmm. um and where i thrive the most is when i have this absolute sense of like you know autonomy uh to a certain extent and uh it all then goes back to this you know paulo Freire, prairies uh, uh pedagogy of the oppressed right In if i feel i'm oppressed i absolutely cannot learn And I feel like, you know, I'll I'll also start believing that I can't learn. Mm. And when I have this uh, absolute sense of, like, uh, autonomy, that's when I learn the best. Like, I just don't know that I'm learning, but I'm pursuing actively to to acquire knowledge. So, throughout my childhood, that, 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 that autonomy was actually within the digital world for me. That's why I was always on my computer, always trying to figure out, trying to, you know, uh, double into like w- 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 building websites, uh, uh, trying uh, setting up servers, trying to create ports, trying to create like uh, little programs with like MIRC. So always been like this is where I express myself, yeah. um, and I spent a lot of time being online. I was I was this kid that didn't grow up grow up with like watching cartoon, watching TV, but it's always been on computer, and I used to have lots of friends on computer, uh, through 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 like you know internet relay chat. Uh, but that's, that's IRC IRC M-I-R-C. for those of you who actually yeah. actually I always what wonder is. what is the M in
1: that IRC is it Microsoft it can't be because no. they don't own it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I, I relate to that in, in certain ways like I think I remember my sister was always really good at reading and yeah. I was always slower and I think that there was definitely a pressure in that that just makes me feel like or I remember instances where I just felt like giving up yeah Cause I was like, I don't want to do this. Cause like that. Um, so I think that there is this, I think comparison is such a difficult or such a strong, I don't know, enemy of, of setting you up for success and in, in just feeling free and open to learn. And then I think I also just really relate to that computer piece a lot because I think operating, like figuring out how to use a computer was sort of like this, free space in a sense and you and also being the person in the house that knew most about computers (laughs) then you were sort of like the expert but you you just figure it out right and then if there was a problem or an issue you just like just try and try again and try again and and figure it out and i think that there's something that is is really important about that process of being able to just try and try and try again and, and try different solutions yeah um but oftentimes we see like and it's almost like there's no right answer, right? You just come up with a a solution for it. Yep. Um, and I think oftentimes, in traditional learning settings, we see like our, ourselves trying to get to the answer and then figure that out. Right? Yeah. Um, so, so, what I think one one of the things that I've observed about you, in in recent times, is is quite a lot of intention around learning mm. so even when we we started uh coming up with this idea of this podcast and stuff and a lot of your approach which was really helpful for me was just like you know let's let's figure, let's try it um let's uh we'll make the mistakes yep. and we're we're gonna learn from it and then we're gonna get feedback from people and then we'll we'll learn from it right yep. and i think that there was something very like conscious about using that term that will learn from it mm-hmm. that really struck mm-hmm. uh, really struck me and then mm-hmm. it made me then observe that there's there's a lot of like experimentation that's mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um and that you have this openness to 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 just learn learn yeah. from it, right? Yeah. So you talk a little about bit about the computer space, but I guess maybe what is your current mm. thinking yeah. around learning and how, how that feels to you and then maybe we can go back and how did that derive or yeah. evolve
0: so i think the 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 key keyword that you you called that was like experimentation right uh, so i think it, it's 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 hard for me to describe where i am right now uh without like you know this context a little so yeah. let me just try to like you know go uh, for try try for a very simple context so i think i started picking up books very very uh, more deliberate uh, i think about three four years ago um yeah when I, when I, uh, when I was like you know trying to f- see how can I be better at work, um, and I you know was also exploring doing my own like uh, social enterprise at that point right. Yeah. So I just felt like I needed to be better, uh, at, at, at both in my personal projects as well as work as well as my personal life, uh, because I think I was going through a transition at that point. Um, it's maybe that the transition is actually just becoming more adult. So I realized that, you know, how do I make sense of the world as I'm becoming an adult? You know, getting married um, and getting this, like, you know, a job at the same time. Like, you know, I'm responsible for people that are in my, like, you know, social enterprise at that point. So there's a lot of this responsibility that I felt like, okay, there's a lot of gaps. And then I went into, like, you know, finding answers. So I started buying a lot of books and I started reading them. And the more I read more books, I realized that I was even more... Uh, not knowledgeable. Um, so in the beginning, b- without the knowledge, I had at least pride to mask what I didn't know. So I would always have this like, you know, um, sense of like, you know, I, I, I'm better, I am good, but it's almost like I'm telling those things to myself, uh, but not being honest that I actually don't know things. Uh, because I think when, you are, when you're young, when um, you need to prove yourself, and that element of like proving yourself comes with like, you know, demonstrating that you know things better, you can do things better, right? So if you think of like going to teach for Malaysia and being in the school, it almost, I almost had the sense that I'm better than the teachers who are in the system to a certain extent. Like I'm here, I'm young, I'm like, you know, going to be able to relate to the kids better and I'm going to be a better teacher than all of these teachers combined, right? I, I had this like, like almost uh, 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 like a fake uh, uh, mask of some sort to cope with like this new uncertainty. But in that process, that I failed a lot, uh, and I realized that every single time I failed, I needed to find the answer. So when you know four years ago, uh, realized that I needed to become better. Then when I started picking up books, I realized that knowledge was such uh, an interesting thing. Where I started discovering that there's even more gaps. But mm. then the mindset, and then uh, I was able to harness a little bit more was this curiosity. Now I was a bit even even more curious. So each time I'm discovering content that I'm not really familiar, then I was like, oh, you know, I didn't know this. Um, you know, let me go and find out more. So as, as I did more and more of that, um, it then like today, I am very certain of one thing, right? I'm very certain that I don't know a lot of things um, and that I'm, I'm comfortable not knowing a lot of things. In the past, you know, if people were to ask me a question and if I don't know the answer to it, um, most often I would not say, I actually don't know. Uh, even especially especially at work, when people ask me, uh, what's the context of this? Uh, or what is the industry going ahead? Like, if I were to give, like, my thoughts and view on, like, the industry, I'll always feel like I need to demonstrate that I know it. Like, I know the industry best. But now I'm like, no, actually, I don't know. But let's figure it out. Like, you know, let me find out. Uh, but that's where my commitment is. Like, that's great. Th- that's a great question. Let me go and find out. And I'll always find out, like, and I'll always like you know, send email again, like you know, hey, this is what I found out. You know, this is great. Like, and, and the more and more I did that, I realized that not only I was becoming better in terms of the knowledge that I'm acquiring, but I'm also able to make sense of the knowledge. Um, mm. So often it's always easier to to read something and then take that information and then um, you know, it, it becomes like an FYI. Rather, I would want to make it as like, how does that knowledge relate to me? Um, and every book that I, uh, I read, I realized that every book has only like about a 10 to 20% that's actually applicable to me. But I got to this part where I'm able to recognize that it's only 10 to 20%. In the past, I'll read one book and I'll think like, this book is like source of truth, must because I've read it. And therefore, you know, it should be what I should be uh, absorbing. But then now I'm more like, I'm able to critically examine, right? Um, okay, actually this part, I agree. I see where the author is coming from. But at the same time, this is something that, you know, I've read this other book that has actually um, uh, kind of criticized the way of like looking at this in this manner because of X, Y, Z reason. And then I can a- actually able to make sense. But again, even that is a, is, a, is a game changer for me, right? Now I'm also able to realize even as authors are writing their book, they don't know 100%. Yeah. And being able to come to that state, then I know that even these thinkers and philosophers, they have not figured out 100% of the world. It's what they have figured out, they're sharing. And I'm equally on that journey. I have not figured it out. Um, so let's, let's learn. Let's, let's figure it out. Um, and what works for some might not work for you. And I've completely come to a place where I'm like settled. Like I'm, I'm okay. Like this, mm-hmm. this is quite an exciting journey to always be curious or like learn. Because the more I admit that I don't know, I have been into situations
1: where like we have incredibly created something together or... Uh, Mm. yeah so that's yeah and so there there's something there about like the combination of the willingness to try and experiment the sort of attitude of being curious, but also combined with a humility mm. right into in being able to just acknowledge uh, what what you actually do and don't uh, and yeah. don't know and and that seems to be something that like I guess three sort of components or, or characteristics or conditions that that are enabling your learning. Uh, in some way huh, I so maybe we can figure out a little bit like this curiosity piece right like do you feel like that's something that has um, always been there for you is that mm-hmm. something that has developed over time like how do you develop or how do you have
0: this sense of curiosity I'm tempted to respond in this manner is that I feel like everyone is curious like you know like as kids right like if you look at like, and observe kids they are consistently curious like they're always trying to make sense of the world and everyone wants to make sense of the world right that's why they call this even the fact that when you are judging people um or when you are like putting stereotype it actually does not come from a bad place it actually comes from like this you know like you have this tendency to make sense of the world, and that's why you need to put people into, like, you know, buckets. So it's not that innately people are racist or innately people are judgmental, but people want to make sense of the world. And that's always what the intention is, right? And I think that's what uh, uh, humans are like. They're very curious uh, since as a kid, all the way till, like, you know, uh, as you age. But I think where curiosity gets a little diminished or rather you do not harness it as much is when pride gets into a way uh, to a certain extent and it becomes because of your coping mechanism, right? Like, if you don't know something, you know, sometimes people will say, you don't know this, like, you know, this is not right. Like, you should know this, like, you know, you should be smarter. You're stupid if you're not knowing this. Like, you know, all this kind of like, you know, uh, uh, kind of like educational experience that people go through in life may then stunt that, okay, actually being curious, it's, 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 it's good in theory, but in practical, you know, would you prefer someone who knows their stuff or someone who absolutely does not know, know their stuff. Of course, everyone in, in, like, intuitively will choose. Someone who knows their stuff, you'll respect them and you will want to like, you know, learn more from them. And someone who don't know you, you know, they don't necessarily have anything to contribute is almost the, the response to it. And I think those two parts, then if you, if you embody that, that like, you know, to yourself, internalize them, then it becomes like, okay, if I don't know stuff, that means I'm actually not worthwhile or I'm not worthy. Yeah. And that kind of blocks that, that element of like, being curious. Um, in, in my, in my personal journey for me, it's like realizing that I, I, I see more value in being curious because, um, that allowed me to better understand the world around me as well as in my, so maybe I zoom in to just like work, right? Um, the one thing that my clients do tell me is that when I'm no longer, let's say, on the account, then they will inform the the new accounting that, oh, you know, I, what I really miss is someone who is very curious about our business. Um, and because I don't take it from a, like, I, I have this solution. I'm going to come in, uh, pitch this solution. I know what is best for you. But rather, yeah. like, you know, I'll, I'll respect that you will know what is best for you to the best of your knowledge. Let me understand a bit more and see if I can organically come in. Like, you know, say, oh, actually, it makes sense where you're coming from. I think if you apply this particular format or solution, then you're able to drive X business result. So then that, that value, like, okay, I was even more uh, welcomed. Uh, I felt like, you know, I was even more um, seen as, a, as an advisor that is not pushing an agenda but more like co-creating or building something together that allowed me to have a better relationship with my, like, you know, uh, business partners and clients Mm -hmm. that then continues to make me feel like, okay, you know, I have so much confidence, uh, being just curious. Like I don't need to be the guy that, you know, knows everything. And there are people in the organization who knows everything and they get respected like crazy. And that's, that's great. But I'm the guy who is like, you know, don't know, like, don't necessarily have to know everything, but I'm curious. Right. So when, when, the um, kind of like the ecosystem kind of encourages me for this, then it becomes a lot more easier. It's like it's like our podcast, right? Like when we started out, like we didn't know what we were going into, but when we had like just a tingle, like, like a little bit of like encouragement, it feels like, you know, let's, let's do this more. And I think I've had that, I've had the, the, the privilege of actually having mm. more encouragement, being curious, being open to learning. And then as I was reading more books, and then it became things just started making more sense, and I'm like, I've arrived at this place where. It's so fun to be this, mm-hmm. but it also has its, uh, um, it also has its downside um, and it, it, from a work perspective and I'm still trying to, to navigate this. And I was just having this conversation with my uh, manager yesterday, right, which is the fact that I am very curious and the fact that I've got this like baseline where I don't know everything, when I do have conversations with, let's say, uh, CEOs of companies, I always f- almost like you know i have this standing in 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 the, in the relationship where i'm like you know everything i don't know everything so you are like one level above and i'm one level below mm-hmm. so i don't see myself as an equal because I mean, maybe you're senior you're like you know you hold a much more bigger uh, role as well as you're maybe all like you know uh, more experienced as well so when that happens then i'm like okay uh, you know i'm this uh, guy who is like don't know anything i maybe not worthy of this like five minutes that you have yeah
1: that's that's a fascinating tension to figure out how to reconcile right so i think and speaking to that i think the reason one of the key reasons why i wanted to talk about this with you is because i think a part of my experience of uh of learning is that i think um if i was to imagine myself like a couple of years back, maybe five years back or whatever. I think my approach to a lot of my work and life did come from more of a, let's figure it out together. I wanna know what's what's gonna make it work and stuff like that. And I think that over time, I have, uh, you know, as I gained more experience, developed the illusion that that I actually know what works and to an extent I think I do right I think I do know what works I've developed a level of expertise um and I but then I think that there is an element if I'm being really honest an element of pride that I have that where I think that I know what works um and I then impose that right let's Mm. say on, on someone else and and even if i'm right i think that the attitude of not having that space of of learning from one another uh is is less effective in a sense so even if I had had that conversation so I imagine actually if I'd had that conversation with the person that I'm trying to uh, get something done with and come from a space of like mm. curiosity and learning we may have come up with the same outcome as mm. if I just said what I already knew Yeah. but that person would have felt appreciated they would have co like felt they were on that journey of discovering it themselves uh discovering together and then the outcomes would have been mm. easier to get to in a sense i think so then when you, when we talk about this idea of like well what what does it what does it look like to stand uh to come together as as equal co-creators of a, of a process of a of a, a product of a, a of whatever in life mm. right like what is that what is that tension or how do you navigate that tension, right? Like Mm. how do I have the intellectual humility to acknowledge that I don't know everything, Mm. um, but not from a space of I'm inferior, right? Mm. Uh, and Mm. I can have this conversation and discover something together with you and collectively we can make something mm. beautiful right and so if 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 what what i hear is sort of like you're trying to figure that how to get yourself up to sort of that that level of uh equal co-creators mm. and then i'm trying to bring myself down yeah. to that level as well right and so that's part of what i'm interested in figuring out yeah uh across this this year I, I, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, if it, one thing that I would, would want to know, right? Like,
0: do you believe that if, let's say, X equals to 3 equals to 4, yep. to find X, right? And then you'll get, like, an absolute number. So, mm-hmm. it's like a mathematical world, right? Do you believe that there's, like, certainty in knowledge in that format? Mm-hmm. Like, truths and universal truths and, like, you know, very defined uh, knowledge? Or do you believe that there is this thing where knowledge is something that is entirely created... By just humans, um, and there is this almost uh, like we are creating knowledge as humanity, right? Like we are creating it as it is, and it's there's no truth, and therefore there will always be this huge space mm-hmm. that knowledge gets to be whatever, mm-hmm. information gets to be whatever, the world history gets to be whatever, mm-hmm. like in, in in do you like inherently right? Do you mm-hmm subscribe to this
1: concept or do you think there's like a gray line in between yeah it's a great question i think that that's what i'm learning about now yeah so i would say that uh i would say that i think oftentimes what i observe uh what i've observed about myself but just people in general is that and I think it, it, it is derived from our political system, from our education system, that there is an answer, mm. right? And that structure, yes. um, like when we put in structure, when we put in processes, uh, a good leader does those things, has the answer, and then everyone feels safe and comfortable, uh, and um, like right. life just follows a linear process of A, B, C, D. So I would say that I would say that that's still somewhat in the back of my mind, ingrained that that is a a good thing to do, right? And I and so then I think like what is the balance, right? I think there is a place for a system, there's a place for process. So how do you be an effective? process systems operations leader um Mm. because oh i don't know right i was gonna say because not everything can be chaotic all the time but maybe it can who Mm. knows right Mm. um and then at the same time what i'm also then trying to reconcile is this idea of like your process or your experience of life is something that is constantly being invented in every moment Mm. so for example like we run a two-year program and we do that again and again and again and i've run this program for like i don't remember how many years right and so there's the trap is to believe that if we just run the same thing again and apply the same concepts and apply the same learning then it should be getting better and better and it's a good thing to do right and we don't necessarily then need to be doing as much like finding out from people what they need and stuff so like i would say that my disposition in in the beginning uh of um leading the program would be to like really really go down and find out everything about what people need and then be very very responsive to what people need and say and then to and sometimes responding wasn't beneficial because maybe it was an emotional issue uh, that, that and we just wanted to respond to every single thing that a person had to say. And then mm. then my, what I then learned ineffectively was like, okay, we don't have to respond to everything that people say. Like Not everything matters. And like, we have more answers than maybe what people experience. But I think what I'm trying to come to terms with now is actually every single individual who comes through our program is experiencing it in a unique completely brand new way than someone who had experienced it uh in in the past yeah um and so how do you work as if you are reinventing uh that that experience for them co-creating and inventing that experience for them so that it works in the best possible way for the individuals that experience it. Mm. Yeah. So mm. then when I think about life, it's like if I want to continue to apply the things that worked for me um, five years ago and just the way that I live my life, uh, that might not necessarily get me to, to where I want to be in, in this moment, right? That mm. might not mm. make me happy mm. right now. Um, but I'm still trying to reconcile that tension between the, there is a linear process mm. in which life is mm. meant to be lived and there is a right answer and if you just apply that process and that right answer again and again and again mm. you're going to get mm. good outcomes mm. versus mm. every moment is a moment to 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 create um yeah. and invent i so inherently i i feel like there's there's a there's a, there's a whole b- bunch of stuff happening inherently and i hope to be able to come to a space where I can sort of reconcile those two things but i would say that i'm still anchored um like a a default that pulls me is is this like mm. there is an answer, yeah, um, because I think that's so deeply ingrained, yeah so where do where where to apply that yeah, in an effective sense i uh, i i I think that's
0: where it's like a personal journey for everyone right, and i think um it's not that i think like linear does not work for people but i i i, I when you are when you were sharing that I could almost see where why I am more inclined to believe on the part where you know it's not linear. It's a, and, and the reason is this, right? If there is an answer to like you know any any anything and and everything, it is single handedly the reason what stopped me from learning. Right. So if you think of like when I was uh, trying to share like my whole uh, language uh, classes that I was going, right is like there is a certain way that you should be learning. And when I was compared to, you know, my sister who was like, let's say if I were to put on the trajectory, she was on the linear trajectory and she was learning. Why mm-hmm. is it that you can't get on that same program and learn the same way and have that same, like, uh I guess, like the learning trajectory, yeah. right? like And I feel like because I'm not someone... Who is my sister? I I am different, and and maybe the approach for me is different, but because they were trying to force feed me into this program where the answer and the way to do the do it is is this way, that then a lot that, that kind of like made me feel like I had a lot more struggle to learn in the way that you thought that I should be learning, and I think that's I I never thought of it in the way, but when you were describing that, I realized that why i'm so attracted to this idea that it's not linear um and it's actually because i struggled with the linear uh, mm. personally and when it was not linear it worked for me and it mm. continues to work for me right and, and, and in my workplace today also like that's that is what i do you tell me what to do i feel like i just crumble mm. like but I, it's not that i don't like structure but the structure is something i have to create it like as i do it together with people um, but if let's say a structure is imposed on me, then I always feel like okay, you know, it's harder for me to to work with this structure, and I try to like you know find ways. But somehow the event like the eventual structure will be something that is a combination of somebody's else's structure and my structure. Yeah. Um, and I think that that always consistently works for me and the people that I engage with. uh you know, at work. Yeah. But yeah, that's um, uh, that's an interesting thing. Um. Why? Why? The the, the the differentiation between like linear as well as. Uh, I guess non-linear. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I, and I think it's 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 not that 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 either one is is right or wrong. Yeah. yeah exactly. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. it, it you apply what works for different contexts, Correct. and there's a per, there's a place where where linear learning works. There's a place where non-linear learning is important, and but obviously maybe different people have different preferences and styles yeah i think it's about how do you employ the right type of approach in the right context and situation right it's the same thing with when we think about you know multiple intelligences i hate it when people use stuff like that as a a limitation so it's like oh i'm a kinesthetic learner so like if you don't engage me kinesthetically then like uh then i'm not going to learn effectively um or some people like i'm not a kinesthetic learner so don't do that kind of stuff but there are places in which it makes most sense to use a kinesthetic approach right when you're learning sports if i write on the whiteboard and then teach you theoretically how to play the sport versus i show you how to kick a ball and let you kick a ball like it's a lot more effective to use a kinesthetic approach right in that element of teaching sports right so where it, it it is about how do we develop an expertise about what learning skills to apply in the right context right and then how do we but oftentimes we look at it from our perspective of our preferences of learning mm-hmm. and and this is oftentimes we, uh, let me let me not generalize the world right <laughs> oftentimes i will look at it from uh the preferences that i have and then try and ap- apply those preferences mm-hmm. across people and uh expect that people learn in in the same way as i do right and yeah. so you know i i'm i am uh as much as sometimes i i like the linear approach i'm also i also do like love to exist in the in the chaos approach and i get frustrated when people are like oh but we need to you to tell us x y and z Mm. and i'm like just create it invent it guys let's make it up together right and i think that that frustrates people but if that's where people are at how do how do i have Mm. the skill to Mm. be able to okay Mm. in this situation let me help you to make sense of it and apply a different skill yeah. or a different approach in a different, different contexts or scenarios that require it. I guess one way to I guess, think about it, right, is probably
0: what does brain science has to like, tell us, right? And I think that this is something that I, I, I uh, read recently, and I, it's not, it's not a, um, it's, it's a common knowledge, I think, especially as teachers, uh, we, I guess, like even in the first uh, institute itself, we were taught um, this concept of like brain plasticity, right? Neuroplasticity, uh, n- neuroplasticity which is actually going, uh, which which is actually understanding that you know our brain is always continuously growing, um, and if you were to pick up new knowledge, it is th- it has the capacity to do that to do so, yeah. um, and it's that that concept, right? Um, so you don't come to a place where you can't learn anymore. Right? Your brain is always learning, always mm-hmm. growing, always brain- building new neural networks um, that allows you to like you know create new information as well as access new information, right? And I always thought that at some point this neuroplasticity actually reduces mm-hmm. its, its intensity, or mm-hmm. rather, it is no longer as effective as it used it used to be when you were younger. But one thing that I've learned is that you know the brain science is, is such that. Even, I mean, the the, the rapid growth of your brain happens till like, you know, early 30s and your brain continues to grow until like, you know, uh, early 30s in a rapid manner. But it continues to grow even beyond that until you die, right? Mm -hmm. There's only one organ in your body that actually, you know, fully forms even before you are given birth and that's your heart. Mm -hmm. So once your heart starts beating, your heart beats all the way till, you know, you, you die. But it has like almost fully formed. But the one thing that is actually not fully formed is actually your brain. And if you think of, like, the, the front part of your brain, which is where the reasoning uh, when rational thinking happens at most, right, like the frontal lobe of your brain, that is only fully formed to a certain extent in its size at the age of, like, 28 to 30, like, mm-hmm. on average. So this kind of, like, you know, brings me to, 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 to understand, right, that, wow, like, uh, as much as people shoehorn or, like, put themselves into like a particular uh, learning style or the fact that they can't learn something anymore, it kind of like completely takes that away and say, hey, actually you can, but if you think you can't, it's, that's the reason why you can't. Like It almost comes down to what you think you can and what you can't, right? And I think that's quite empowering for me personally. I think like, uh, and it continues to empower me, right? Like I, I feel like, yes, I, if, I could, if I could have learned Python programming, R programming, and build like, you know, uh, and really harness that when I was younger, that's great. But now that I've not done that when I was younger, and I'm mm. like, let's say if I were to learn it at the age of like 32, can I still learn it as much as I would have learned it before, right? And I've this sense that yes I can. I just have to like, you know, really like, you know, start so every single time I'm learning, I'm almost having this visual that I'm like creating this new neural connections to my like brain. Yeah. And then creating this new like knowledge, and I get really excited and and the, the thing is the part that where, where I get really excited is this thing that I'm trying to explore a bit more, which is this thing called active recall so the more you do active recall, the more then you 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 know create like fresh linkages to your neural networks right then you create like better, better recall, and that, that, that uh, memory becomes along the memory so so I've been learning this this Python uh, programming, and I've been trying forever to, to do this. Um, and last year, I, I came across, like, some simple, easy-to-learn easy uh, methods, right, which is, like, using an app. So, answering, like, simple questions gave me a confidence, that hey, actually, I can answer these questions. Then yeah. I started learning. Then I immediately finished, like, you know, all this, like, basic uh, fundamentals of, like, Python programming. And I started, like, you know, even more uh, trying different apps that goes a bit more in detail. And I started exploring that a bit more. And then now, you know, uh, and and all this is still very much theoretical, right? If you give me a problem, I still can't, like, think in, like, programming. Then that's when I started, like, you know, watching, like, YouTube videos of, like, people. And the reality is people have this idea that what a programmer does and what actually is, right? So this idea is that you give, let's say, hey, create an app. Uh, and you, you think that the, a programmer will just sit on a computer and <laughs> and then suddenly an app comes out, right? The reality is, and, 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 and I love this whole like, you know, time-lapse video that a lot of these uh, programmers do, right? About 90% of the time, every single thing that they do is all about Googling googling how do you do this how do you do that and then you know like snip, snippet codes then they'll bring the snippet code then they'll try to understand the snippet code so it's almost a lot of discovery that happens as they're building something mm. uh, because you don't know all the libraries that's available for a programming language you don't know what kind of like you know, is a better way then you know that's why there's a, like a lot of like this resources to learn uh, but it almost comes down to this this part where um, I I am I'm quite excited that this is how you learn and I'm like no longer like pressure to think that, oh, you know, once I learn, I need to be able to recall every single thing. So that takes away that pressure. Yeah. And then the, the most recent one is that this, this active recall, right? So my colleague, we were just geeking out on an email about like, you know, uh when is her next like you know review is gonna be now that she's on a new role, it's gonna be two year role. So then I put like, you know, three, six, five times two uh minus n number of days, right? And then she responded it's actually three sixty five plus three sixty six uh minus uh n. Then I then uh, decided to like put into a Python code, and I like you know uh, you know n equals to int bracket input bracket. Then I was doing the like, enter number of this. So then I was like, oh shit! I was actually able to come up with that, and I was like, whoa! Such a simple like simple <laughs> code, right? But I was so proud <laughs> that I then okay, I was like uh, this new renewed uh sense that I'm learning. Like, that's incredible. Like, mm. I never thought I could learn programming and, I, and I'm able to, right? And I'm like, okay, I want to continue harnessing this. I'm going to continue figuring this out.
1: Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. something that got me really excited. Yeah. So, if, if I'm thinking about uh, this, this idea that essentially what we're talking about is this idea that learning is this lifelong process right and you know the idea of like a growth mindset that you can get better at something if you continue to try and that even like scientifically biologically like our brain has the capacity and continuously can learn right and so we never uh we we don't ever have to stop learning and i think some people may struggle with that idea. Like if we were just to tell you like, oh, you know, you just go learn something, you can learn it. And like, it, I think it's going back to that idea of, you know, when Trevor Noah and his book talks about the idea that uh, that you've got to create enabling conditions for people, right? So um, when we, we talk about like helping people out of poverty, it's not just about like teaching them, but it's creating, enabling things. Do you fund them? Do you actually invest in uh, and provide opportunities, right? So if I tell a a, a person who has struggled um and has had a negative relationship with learning their whole life that uh you know you can learn mm. and just expect them to learn that's that's going to be difficult right for them to even begin to believe that right because their relationship with learning has been um a really difficult one right and i think a, a lot of that is a, is set up mm. by our education system in a sense right mm-hmm. because. I think oftentimes how we view the world uh implicitly I don't think uh I don't think this is something we consciously choose to but we think of we learn in school right so school is from x time to x time yeah. and then when you uh go work for a while you go work and then some people might like upgrade their learning by getting like by going to grad school and stuff and therefore you learn a little bit more when you go to school and we almost like create this dichotomy or separation between like learning and life right as if you have to go to to school and that's where you're learning when you're in school and so we so we create this illusion that learning happens at certain places and certain times and is limited to these contexts and then people who have, have had like a really negative relationship with those contexts are like well i didn't enjoy learning in school um and so i'm not a good learner right so I know that school is a very interesting experience for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe if you could share a little bit about like, how you experienced learning in school and some of what were challenges uh, mm-hmm. that were there for you. Mm,
0: that's an interesting question. I think in school, I learned a few things. Uh, one thing is this, and, I, and, I, and I'm proud of it now, but I was not proud of it then, is this concept of hacking. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so so uh, this is what school is, right? It's about like finding ways. So so my baseline, right? Like I, I, I came from a place where I found myself to be not competent. Uh, that's that's like, you know, my introduction to school because like language or stuff. I have been in like, you know, standard one to standard six. I used to sit for, no, not standard six, standard, standard one to standard five. I used to sit for like, let's say the Chinese paper, um, Mandarin, Mandarin paper, right? And I'll be like, so proud. Like, I'll take the paper, I'll write my name, I'll write back all the questions. I'll be the first one to finish and I'll be looking around. And I've have got so much vivid memory, right, of just being so proud that I've finished it. Like, but I'll get zero, like, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I was like, I know, this, know, this is, this is me. Like, I'm coping with it in, in my own way. Um, and, I, and I used to be like that. The only thing that I will be able to, like, you know. Wait,
1: so what were you writing in these papers? Uh, I'll write back the question. Oh. So like you know, the question is in uh, like Mandarin. Oh, so, you so just I copy back. Copy back the so, 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 so,
0: so, so, so is, that's why I say like it's, it's hacking. <laughs> because I feel like you know I'm just trying to find ways to cope in, in, in that manner. But at the same time there are things that I really like. So um the one thing that I, I, I really like is because of this teacher, his, his name is Mr. Cole, uh, who made me really fall in love with science because he tells science in a very story format. And then uh maths is something that I really struggled up till like standard five. And then I had this Juan Dina, uh, who used to, I mean, who continues to be my like single most like in- crazy impactful teacher, um, and that's because you know when she came on board, she incentivized me to come to like the uh, extra classes by giving me nasi lemak, and that I've spoke about this nasi lemak like I think somewhere uh, in this TFM journey before where I realized that the reason why I went for the class is because there's this nasi lemak, this nasi lemak has this like ikan masin on it, and I for some reason just. Really liked it right and i and I used to just look forward to eating that nasi lemak and i 'll go to the classes because you know this teacher will make me feel so like welcome, so like you know like this is for you and and, and i don't remember the classes necessarily, mm-hmm. but that's why I then started like yeah. you know uh, being better at mathematics or yeah. uh, that's like these two things, but everything else I was like really bad right and i and i and I almost don't think of it from a like learning perspective, mm-hmm. but i'm just like. Okay, how do I hack it? Like, how do I, uh, you know, uh, finish my homework? You know, so someone in the class is definitely going to be smarter than me. Someone who's going to be like, you know, really, really like responsible and finish their homework. I'll find that someone and I'll copy <laughs> and I'll finish that 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 homework. Right. So, and that's that's uh that's defined me. So um and and throughout throughout life, it's always that 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 concept of like uh trying to find the easiest way to solve something and prioritizing things that I believe has value. And when it doesn't have value, then I completely deprioritize. So like, for example, like geography is something that at that point when I was going to school, I thought it's like, there's no place for geography in this world. It's such a shitty subject. I'm not going to study it. <laughs> I so love sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's like individual differences, right? <laughs> like, you know, you have your own journey. <laughs> and then the other thing that I, I hated then, but now I'm like... Realizing I love it a lot more Is uh, history Like I just hate that sejarah Right So it's still subject You know Something that I Completely deprioritize So every single time The teacher comes in I'm like Block off Like that's That's my my journey Um, And today That has single Like it's 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 so So defining right That I am that same person At the core I choose what I learn And I completely deprioritize I don't cloud my brain In like things that I Like I don't have this FOMO When it comes to learning Mm. So I don't pick up things that I don't have interest in. But the moment I have interest in, I go super deep. And that was my school journey. Like, I you know... So it's not about, like, getting straight A's. I've never seen, like, straight A's as a thing that I... Okay, maybe it's, like, I knew that I can't get it. So I <laughs> chose very young... <laughs> to not value yeah, it. No, because <laughs> since three... Like, can you imagine, like, standard two, standard three, I already knew. I already knew that I am going to get a zero for my Mandarin. I, I and, and it almost can be, like, a... Like... <laughs> Like it you know, it's like so so strongly conditioned, right? At that some such a young age, I'm m- making choice that like, I'm so proud to be able to get zero for a subject that I have no clue because I'm not gonna get this. Like I knew it, and mm-hmm. and, 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 and and I mean I guess like that's um the interesting thing um uh, that I've gone through. But I think the key learning for me there is like you know uh, it it that it didn't it didn't create a bad experience. So school wasn't a bad experience for me at all. Um, uh, it never gave me the sense that um like i i i didn't get into a state where i am either the smartest or the stupidest i've always been this kid who knew his way like you know almost like the uh, like very, very narcissistic but like i feel like very mischievous
1: mm. even at school like yeah.
0: that's like just like a troublemaker but then that's why then i had this like a, like a grand uh, grandized version of myself, right? That I thought that, you know, I'm the badass kid who's, you know, struggled with learning but picked up and like, you know, know what I'm passionate about. Therefore, when I become a teacher, I'll go into the classroom, into the worst classroom and I'll be the hero until I went into the classroom and I realized that w- whatever I was in my school was nothing compared to what the reality of the world is when we talk about like, you know, uh, different levels of, uh, of uh, I guess, challenges uh, yeah. the kid goes through. But yeah, that's, that was cool for me. Like, it wasn't uh, a, a negative feeling, but almost like I, I became this uh, kid who can hack things through and got into a lot of trouble for doing so, mm. but uh, not in a, in a like, you know, it didn't define my learning journey. Mm. It, in, in fact, like, it kind of like somewhat enhanced it. Mm. Uh, and I look back and I guess, uh, you know, such a, never, never really thought about it in that manner. But now that I'm talking all this out loud, I'm... Oh, it's okay it's a, it's a it's an interesting journey
1: <laughs> so it sounds like in some ways the system yeah. was not effective for you yeah and yes what you were able to do was learn how to despite the system figure life out or figure yeah. le- your your learning out right and so it that wasn't something that enabled it but you figured that out through mm. just kind of like mm. I think there's an element of the curiosity and trying to push boundaries and stuff, um, and make things work. Yeah. Actually, it reminds me. I think um, maybe it's it's
0: how I retrospectively look at life. But I think the one thing that has had a similar kind of narrative, if I were to use that word, is my dad. Right. So my dad was very similar. He come. He, he came from a super like poor family. Right. Um, and he went to school and uh, the one thing that he was passionate about was physics and the only reason why he was passionate about physics was because there's this element of like photography and like you know uh, image uh, because he was passionate about film to film physics and eventually you know that's what gave him the life that he had yeah. uh, so it was almost like even he had that that, that story to me since young yeah. that you know you choose what you want mm-hmm. um, I guess like it, subconsciously or like more um, what's the word implicit Mm. i guess yeah
1: yeah so tell me a little bit about you didn't like geography you didn't like history um and now i'm in this room looking at this world map that you have (laughs) stuck against the wall and i know that you're absolutely fascinated about like history and you've gone on to study like like the history of different countries and parts of the world how did that how did that change i think then it goes back to this
0: this so, guess the way that it was taught to me, I guess, then there's an element of, like, system as well as, like, this uh, linear way of, like, approaching it, right? In school, there was just, like, this... You learn history and you regurgitate what you learn and there's this, like, very direct... This is what you learn. This is the answer to it, right? But now that I've discovered a little bit more of well, world history, it is so much more nuanced than mm-hmm. that. Um, and mm-hmm. I... Uh, I guess, like for me, very recent, like, history is something that's super recent for me. It, it, it's like, if I think of Jared Diamond and the way that he looks at like, you know, the world history, um, there is many different ways that he looks at it. So some of it uh, has to do with like, you know, this concept of the history is shaped by where in the world this country or this community is. Yeah. So the, the, the geography and geography then relates back to the resources that is available and the environmental, like, uh, consequences, right? Whether you have, like, you know, uh, natural disasters or, like, you know, do you have, like, mountain, do you have, like, more agriculture? All of that shapes up to what your civilization trajectory is going to look like. So, it creates it more like, you know, it's not the people. It's much more larger than that. Mm-hmm. Then, if, let's say, you know, if they the people are of, like, you a know, certain way or they're good in certain way or, if, let's say, they are, you know, somewhat back uh backward if you were to term it in that manner if you then compare it with another society or another civilization then you kind of like you know almost put the people at at fault but in reality it's not the people it's actually there's it's so much more nuance right and yeah. it's then uh it, which groups then migrates to where creates different kind of like uh like a whole different way of uh civilization that can, can come in that that manner and i feel like this definitely was not what I learned when I was in yeah. school. It was definitely a lot more prescriptive. This is the right answer. This is what it is. And you just really with it. And I think that is where I didn't find value in. But the moment I'm able to have like, you know, this is one way of looking at it, but then there's like so many different ways, right? So mm-hmm. I've like read like, you know, let's say Jared Diamond's way and then Tim Marshall's way of looking at like, prisoners of geography mm-hmm. so Tim Marshall then looks at it from a like they're all like prisoners of geography where they are that's why they are the, the way they are whereas uh, uh Jaya Diamond is like there has actually been a migration and that migration tells a different story as well uh, and people migrate for different reasons um and and that 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 two parts then allowed me to realize that wow uh, I want to know more I want to know more um, not from a like there is answers in the world that i can then you know try to make sense of the world but more like what what made the world as it is today um, yeah. and and why is it going the direction it is uh why are we making the progress that we are making and why are we making like you know de progress if that's the word yeah uh, in certain way so yeah so that the, the passion came because like i was able to make sense of the world in that way and it's not like
1: prescriptive yeah, yeah. and so it's it sounds like finding something that so there's two things I think that are here, right? Like yeah. it's it's the way in which you were able to engage with um, the content in a way that uh, was relevant and made it work for you. Um, and the second thing was, I think there's also something about like letting go of like unlearning, right? So it's mm. like, oh, I, uh, Sajara sucks. I, yeah. I I don't like uh Sajara um, and you could hold on to that and say that forever for the rest mm. of your life, mm. or you can choose to let go of that and say like, actually, history is really fascinating, right? Because I found a way in which I I can relate to that, right? Yeah. So I guess if we think about the concept of like when we think about unlearning, mm. I think uh, of mm. learning, mm. I think a huge part of mm. learning, uh, which uh I think is something that I've found really fascinating is, is unlearning as well. Mm. Right. What would you say, um, are, are things that you feel like you have unlearned Mm. across life? Well, uh,
0: interesting. Before I answer that, there is this book that I absolutely feel like I'm, I'm keep on, as we are talking about this whole thing, I keep on uh, uh, reflecting about this book, which is this uh, lady Jo Baller, uh, Jo B O A L E R. Uh, just <laughs> I don't know how to like baller. Like baller, like she's he making put, a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's
0: <what> I am. <laughs> it. And. So she, I think she's like mathematician, scien- or sci- or uh, brain scientist. Uh, she wrote a book called Limitless Mind. Mm. Uh, she she speaks a lot about this concept of like unlearning yeah. as well. Um, and and sh- because she specifically looks at unlearning the anxiety that people build up for mathematics uh, specifically yeah. like, zooming in on that right because a lot of people feel like they can't learn maths because uh, maths is tough and almost that anxiety is what makes maths really tough and maths maths being tough right has many multiple different ways uh, one one easy way is if let's say uh, if you compare it with like Andrew Liu right our friend Andrew he can calculate very fast in his mind it almost sets the standard that if you can't calculate as fast as him, you are not good at maths. And that is something that you know students face through uh, all, all throughout. But then there's also then she brings in like this perspective, right, where even Newton could not count fast. Like it's not something that he can do at all. Like he's a very slow, me- like in terms of mental arithmetics, very slow but that's where the value is for him because he doesn't think maths in a very linear method he looks at it from a very creative method uh, mm-hmm. and when you talk about creative it's that because he can't count fast he'll then think about like okay what does this really mean like why why does this then can, can I put a formula to it like try to understand the world like it almost takes that approach then when he becomes creative then therefore the mathematics is more well applicable as opposed to just able to answer that question right I think that's the, the 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 I guess like she, she tries to talk about this thing where when you have this anxiety, you need to break that away because it is not limiting in, in any way. Like, if you are slow in counting, it's okay. You can... You, there's still, like, you know, a lot of value for you to learn mathematics and you, you does not define whether you're good in maths or you're not good in maths. But because your brain is... Like, there is that neuroplasticity. If you were to be good in maths, you absolutely can. And that's the whole movement, like, she, mm-hmm. she uh, like, you know, champions for... And um, so... Then so I mean that's the the concept of like unlearning and and, and uh, what what she should, 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 uh, champions for, but for me personally I think unlearning has so many parts to it. Uh, but for me it's more more to do with mental health. I would think that I need to. I have to unlearn a lot of ways of work, looking at the world that was. Bordering unhealthy Mm. that I think
1: I had to spend a lot of time unlearning that and how 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 did you or are you attempting to do that? Like I If there if there (laughs) is So for me the process is then so so so
0: mental health Meaning that I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself and I think that does throughout my after college onwards, right? I had this very like um strong need to to prove myself, to be a millionaire. Like,
1: I guess <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah. everyone. Everyone's right. Everyone. Well, maybe not everyone, but definitely not I as well.
0: Yeah, My dream as well. So, so be so, a millionaire
1: before thirty. Before thirty, yes. And now we're thirty-two. Are we millionaires? <laughs> yeah in our hearts <laughs> in our hearts oh,
0: we, we did acquire a lot more knowledge <laughs> so so it's, that's that's the thing right like it's crazy like you know you see all your friends, all of your friends are like you know becoming like really good at what, what they do, so you compare and you you have this like unhealthy uh uh pressure and then it creates anxiety, and then you know you you just you know go through every like I was going through every single day with this like heart palpitation, this this crazy amount of like pressure, I'm just like running around like that's almost every day that I had even when I was doing Teach for Malaysia, I had a lot of times just going to class and just feeling really this intense anxiety, like yeah. intense, right? Uh, and back then, I used to just like, you know, uh, resort to like my coping mechanism which is smoking and I used to like smoke like you know, seven sticks a day before going to a class. So then I'll go to the class and then I'll tell kids like, you know, hey, you know, math is fun and you know, you shouldn't be smoking. Smoking is bad for your health. <laughs> so, so, that, 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 that is what I needed on it. and I think when it, when when I needed to see how to unlearn, I then looked at books and the books that I was attracted to or the concept in the books that I was attracted to was this idea around reboot. Um, reboot. Reboot, yes. Uh, so, if, like synonyms, right? Like there's reboot, there's refresh, there's reinvent. But it's almost this element of this, this, this uh, reboot uh, uh, is what then allowed me to ensure that this, whatever I have today does not define who the future of me is. Mm-hmm. And I can almost reset everything. Mm-hmm. I can reset my, my, uh, you know, uh, preconceived ideas about myself, mm-hmm. uh, preconceived ideas of people, preconceived ideas around, uh, uh, what my limitations are and what my strengths are mm-hmm. because I can refresh. So once i am able to refresh, then how do I then create a new world? So, so there is this reboot concept of reboot, right? And I have a few uh, resources that I, I leaned on to that. Then the second part to it is actually then then this this uh, meaning of life almost, right? Like um understanding. Now that I've, let's say, if uh, or rather it's always a constant journey, right? But let's say, you know, I've achieved reboot and I've refreshed and I'm like, you know, uh, day zero. What does day one look like for me? Mm. And day one almost, the way that I look at it is then where today I'm looking at it from like, is you know what is the meaning to all of this anyway does it really matter mm-hmm. like that concept true like meditation or to be exposed to like mm-hmm. uh like thinkers like yuval noah harari and understanding you no know, from a historical point of view to like now where we have developed anything that we create is something that we create and mm-hmm. we give meaning to mm-hmm. and then that comes with that like a level of like empowerment yeah. and then this empowerment then for me is then tied to this this idea that okay now that I've like reboot and, you know, what is the meaning of all this? Then this empowering sense, like I can create everything. Then ties to these ideas around like, you know, how do I ensure that every single one of us feel like empowered? So this this is where the, the, the whole like neuroplasticity that anyone can learn, anyone can grow, anyone can be anything. Then this is where the le- the the, the, the uh, learning form, form formation or knowledge formation happens because I'm like in a blank state that I'm going through this. So it's almost like that is how if I were to think out loud is what has been in terms of unlearning as well as learning and they're very, very tight to me. If I didn't have this bit of like empowerment and wanting to learn and understanding how I learn then I wouldn't have had the need to go back to, like, what is the meaning of life, and then I don't have the need to, like, you know, reboot myself and, like, start from, like, a day zero.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. And so, so, you know, there are always, like, you know, the, the baggage is still there, right? Like, there are days that I'll go to work on Monday or, like, let's say on a weekend. I feel like, you know, I'm trying to pack a lot of things because I'm trying to do a lot of things, then I'll, like, send check again. Okay, what why, why do I have this need to pursue all of this? Mm. Is it coming from a place of, like, i'm you know feeling like is time running out or like i have to prove myself or is this that i'm really passionate about and really excited about and uh stuff around that is like 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 today right like the podcasting, it's like i think when we first started it um if i had come in with the mindset that oh we need to do this really perfect and really well and like yeah. we need to turn into a, like yeah. a big business then yeah. i would have had like a lot of pressure but you know that's not what we're trying to do and when i don't try to do that then something that we come up with is something that i'm actually really like i enjoy the, the this whole ex
1: this whole experience yeah um and no no that's, that's yeah uh, and so this is i think something that 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 i struggle with in terms of l- like which is why i really appreciate doing this with you in the process of, of this whole podcast thing because i really struggle with this idea of like not getting it right the first mm-hmm. time and every yeah. time i plan for something uh, in a previous episode when we talked about dreams, I have these grandiose dreams about what it's gonna be and so I try to plan and I'm like, oh they're gonna make it like amazing and blah 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 blah. And and then uh, and then going to the concept of unlearning, like holding onto my ideas too tightly and just like getting upset when I don't think I can yeah. do it. Or or it's even just like an analysis paralysis where like I can't even Flesh out the idea because it's there's too much yeah. going on, and I was just like, How do you get it right and get it perfect, right? So, I mean, what is what is like your, your response to that in a sense, right? Yeah, like can we do can you do big and amazing great things that make a difference in the world with by through a process of experimentation where you're okay, where you feel okay to fail, and you feel like, Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. sure, whatever. So,
0: quick, uh, I guess like the, the thing that you, you shared, right, I, I actually want to zoom in a bit more uh, to, to understand. So, this concept of like getting it right. Yeah. Right. Uh, wh- why? Like, why do you feel like, what does it look like if you get things right?
1: Yeah it's a great question what does it
0: look like it looks right I guess like what what is the the innate thing that you're pursuing like what is what is getting it perfect right that's that's a great question and I have
1: a response to that I think that it is driven um, by an insecurity that i don't have the answers Mm. so or that i haven't figured it out right so if what it looks like to me is like if i've if i've gotten it right whenever it gets presented i have the answers to all the Mm. questions i've thought through like anything that Mm. someone might say and i can like defend or justify this idea yeah um and i think it is driven by this insecurity that like if you don't have those answers then you're like wrong Mm. or not good enough Mm. Um mm. And whatever you've come up with isn't like good enough um yeah. and uh and and it's it's not something that i subscri- subscribe to and I believe is a is a good thing, and especially working mm. in an education organization that's definitely not the experience we wanna have for our students, but that is something that I'm constantly mm. personally trying to let go of. Um, yeah. And I feel like I can do greater things in the world if I let go of that because I'll just be doing more stuff yeah, in yeah. a sense.
0: This is is definitely interesting for me because I think it it resonates with me as well, right? Like I I feel very strongly in in those ways, where like you know, I, I think it's, it's always going to be a constant struggle where you want to be able to. Understand everything that you could potentially understand about a particular topic when you are committed to doing something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, being exposed to someone, I guess, like, you know, watching someone like uh, like Bill Gates, right? Like, still trying to figure out the world um in, the, in that manner. Like, he comes in a place of, like, privilege and then he's trying to see, like, okay, there's this problem I want to solve. And he gets really excited about solving that problem and he's trying to think of all the ways to solve that problem and trying to do that better. And knowing that, okay, everyone is in this uh, state of like trying to figure out the the way to approach it. Um, but there's also this, this thing around if you are going for perfection and it comes from a place of insecurity that you will not have everything compiled and gathered, I wonder how do we, like what's the worst case scenario? So if let's say it comes to mm-hmm. a point where you don't have it together and you fail, mm-hmm. right? And I guess like, you know, like zooming in personally in your life and I'm sure there are many of those moments, right? That you have like failed. Uh, what, what would it, what, what happened? And what does that look like for you yeah. when you didn't have things perfect? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a really helpful <laughs> question because I think more, more often than not, Nothing really detrimental. Uh, yeah. Like it, it wasn't something that like was uh, I, I don't I I think I've been I have been privileged enough not to have made like any life or death situations, right? Where I yeah. felt I, uh, like that um were were that has been a result of the decisions that, that I've made. Um and so oftentimes uh I and I guess it's it's about analyzing where what, what those stakes are. Right? yeah and oftentimes i i i face that limitation in situations where it's like okay so i i didn't like have a perfect plan for this meeting did i need to spend like six hours planning for this meeting yeah. like no maybe not right yeah but maybe yeah. i enjoyed those six hours yeah but when it becomes like a limitation then then actually it's the yeah is the trade off worth it, and will it? What is the worst case scenario? More often than not, it's 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 nothing really <laughs> terrible. So that's really helpful for me, yeah, yeah. Uh, to consider. Yeah.
0: Because for me, um, I I, I in, in in last year in two thousand nineteen, I took on a project and I, and I remembering that same that same exact need of I need to figure this out. Um. I I was leading almost like a like a like a task force and a team, um, to putting together something right and i didn't know what i was doing um i almost also felt shy right like the word i use is shy to be delegating to my colleagues because we are peers like mm. uh, because it's, it's, it's almost like an like a put together team uh and i you know i'm supposed to lead the team but i felt like i'm, 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 I'm not a leader like these teams like they all of them are super smart and super capable and more capable than me you know they should yeah. be the one leading it you know almost like that right because I recognize that they are very good. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, I need to lead it. But I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I have no understanding of this particular industry. and This, this is specifically... Um, that was something that we were doing for gaming. And then I just felt like, okay... There is this... Uh, uh, thing that I'm trying to figure out. I couldn't figure it out. And time was running out. And the more I couldn't figure it out... I felt like shit. Mm-hmm. Failing very big time. And that, that sense was actually very very strong Um, and I tried to find out like I tried to speak to people like how do I fix it like how do I become better what kind of structures do I put in place what do I need to do Uh, right and I and I had like multiple different conversations but in 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 reality there was a lot that I failed in this particular role Um, but I would have to say that the way that that failure was uh, dealt with by my superiors is that they recognized that this is a learning journey Mm. and to almost, you know, see that I've actually grown a lot in Mm. that process. And then there was this element of us as a team putting something together that had resulted in some form of success at the end of the year that had made all of that journey uh, sort of... uh, Sort of I guess like worthwhile, so it's like now, when people look back to that journey, it is almost not like okay so it's it's not a failure; it is incredibly successful, so now we're going to phase two of whatever we were doing in two thousand and nineteen, but I have this explicit memory of how much I felt like I was failing every single day in that first like six six to seven months mm-hmm. um and I was like trying to figure it out mm-hmm. um but then in the end. It, because there was, like, real impact and real uh, success, then it made the seven months worthwhile. But I'm just wondering, right, what if I didn't have that second leg yeah. of success? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, it was because something that I, I went through throughout, and I, and I feel like people who go to startups and people who build something have got very clear example of what failure looks like, and I think it can be very, like, like, internalized, right, like, Failure means people don't have food on their table. Failure means that your, like your family that is dependent on you does not have like the necessary resources. Like you know, there's so many of those that I think can be very real. Like I, I feel like when it comes to money, if I don't have the money or the financial security, I would have failed my like especially my mom because I feel like you know there is that element of like dependency there. And then there's also like you know my wife and I feel like you know if I have family. So all this like, I feel like it will always come, with that baggage that. I need to have things put together and perfection is something that is always going to linger. As much as we want this this concept and nuance of like figuring it out, right? There is this need to almost yeah. like, I need to have some perfection or maybe perfection is not a word, but like some things need to be there. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I, I was curious to know like, like you know, if you' just zoom in so much so on the the failing part right and not putting things together, I think from work context, sometimes it's easier because you know there's no life and death situation, but especially when it comes to personal, I think that's where mm. the the concept of perfection becomes a lot more like personal i think yeah, yeah. I'd be curious yeah. to know
1: yeah and i guess like I guess my thought is like like, how do you um obviously like organization leadership played a big part in this right like the way in which the that experience uh your experience was viewed by the organization leadership yeah. was was pivotal right yeah. or or just crucial in ensuring that actually it, it turned out to have like positive outcomes and so then what does it look like to 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 have that in life right like mm. where we like ourselves and mm. with the people who mm. who we love most are able to find out the ways in which we can we can process like failure and stuff uh, and stuff together as well um and and create environments where it's safe to do those to do those things in a sense but i think that there is also there is also an element of of privilege that that comes with Mm, mm, that right because i think for so many people there is like when you talk about life and death when you talk about starving and stuff that is literally literally the reality right whereas when like that that is maybe not our our your, my present reality right and even like significant failures may not lead to that yeah um in that situation yeah um, but I guess my my takeaway is like what's helpful is that the the majority of the decisions that I'm making or the things I'm trying to create are not leading to mm-hmm. life and death situations, mm-hmm. so I shouldn't treat it like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay, a a couple of like uh to just as we as we wrap up like a. a quite a lot more questions that i want to ask but we'll see how far uh we get in in reasonable time first i i'm interested uh we you've begun to talk about like the like super intelligence interested to hear what you have to say about that um the you know where data and ai Mm -hmm. how that's going to transform like uh transform learning and then the final thing is a book since you read 58 books last year a book recommendation The best book that you or or a top book that you would yeah. recommend about learning? Oh my God. Okay. Um,
0: so the, the book one is easy. I think about okay. learning specifically, right? Yeah. I I really, I think it's a very under under underappreciated book. Uh, mm. or rather, like not. Is this not a sexy book? Uh, if I were to, maybe not. That's not the word I'd use. <laughs> um, it's not like a, something that has been spoken about a lot. I think there's yeah. a lot of books that gets like a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, you know the, so I I last year I read this book called. The, the Last Lecture by Randy uh, Palsh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so that was yeah, a really good book of like, you know, it's very similar in theme to to making sense of the world and life and like, you know, when you're at the end of life, uh, yeah. right? Uh, which is very similar to Paul Kalaniti's uh, When Breath Becomes Air. Yeah. So, so those are very like general and everyone will somehow get some benefit from reading it. Um, and it's easy to read. It's a small book. Uh, very, very engaging. But something like Limitless Mind by Joe Baller is a bit more like like if you read it you'll benefit from it but to get someone to read it they'll be like you know i've already known the concept like mm-hmm. what am i gonna really get out of it it's almost that right and okay. i that's the book that i would recommend actually mm-hmm. it's limitless mind um, mm-hmm. because it, it it made me realize there's so many aspects to like students approach to learning mm-hmm. young adult uh approach to learning and elderly people like you know how they mm-hmm. approach to learning and it really, you know, uh, brings them all together that everyone learns. And I think yeah. know, reading that gives you that experience of knowing exactly why that is the case, like from a scientific reason, mm. like, the, like the brain science. And therefore, you can help to create those conditions yes. for
1: almost anyone, yeah. in a sense.
0: Yeah. So. And, and also then, like, you know, if somebody you deem to not be able to uh, have acquired knowledge or if you think that, you know, they're not competent in some way, it feels like that can be something that you can, like, mm-hmm. uh, help with, yeah. um, in, in terms of creating the enabling conditions, right? So there is that. Uh, so that's not on super intelligence. So so this is something that you know I, am figuring out really like super super uh, fresh for me, right? But I, I, I I've I've realized where I I'm I'm, I'm 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 I, where I am at. So, there is this concept of like, knowledge, information, insights. Mm-hmm. right? That is data. Yeah. And in that, in that, in that bucket, you can go crazy collecting data. Mm-hmm. So if you think of like research organizations, uh, if you think of like, you know, a lot yeah. of uh, the way that people approach, uh, you know, being very analytical, if they are like, you know, like almost like analytical mind, there is a lot to be excited about this area. Data. Mm-hmm. My excitement is not so much on that part, mm-hmm. And I, and I am, glad that I've able to come to this space this space uh by having conversations uh, with a few folks, right? That this is not what gets me up. The part that I'm excited is this element around building and creating something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when I build when I'm talking about building and creating something, in, in this aspect, I'm not viewing it from creating like apps or you know applications, websites. It's it's not that. Not programs, but more like creating using predictive. Like either... So so then there's these two parts, right? So there's data and then there's predictive yeah. uh, aspect of like, you know, what the world will look like or what mm-hmm. this data can then predict in terms of outcome and then modeling that, right? So this part is why I'm excited about. And here here is, is the reason why, why I'm more leaning towards this predictive, right? And this creation, the building part is because... With a lot of data, um, today, I think, in my day-to-day work, um, I, I, I see that my job right now that I'm doing in terms of digital marketing is going to be obsolete in the next, like, 20 years, for sure. Like, yeah. In the way that it is currently, right? Um, and it's not from, a, uh, like, a fear point of view. It's more like I'm excited of the potential of the tools that is existing today that is leveraging real-time data to optimize to the best outcome as long as you give the outcome so if you want leads let's say and if we have like a very clear like what your cost per lead is and you know what your business each lead is let's say you know if you're uh, uh, having a auto business you want people to like you know subscribe to your car and it's like 3,000 per month immediately you can then calculate it right yeah. so that is being as much automated because the the algorithms are such that they are optimized towards real time because that's amount of data that is optimizing towards. Now, then then my 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 point is here, right? Where this allows you to act on it immediately, but where we have the gap today is understanding all of this data, what kind of like future models that you can actually build, that that element of predictive modeling. So that is where AI comes in really really strong. Right, So if you then applic- uh, apply it to everything, right, so apply it to learning, for example. So if you think of uh, a student wanting to learn, so this whole concept of, like personalized learning, right, I have a lot of contention in the way that it's implemented or thought about today. So when people think of like personalized learning, they think of like a student is good in maths, therefore, you know, this uh, student will be floated and given career on the math side of things. That for me is like the most, like, it's like the world today you created using AI, Mm. But then the AI of, uh, like, uh, being able to create that, right? It's like, imagine a child's potential is everything, Mm. right? Mm. And then as the child is making that micro decision to be the best in something, and almost like the teacher's responsibility there is not to say, oh, you are really good in this, continue pursuing this, or let AI pursue this for you. But how do you then use AI if, let's say, the child wants, like, makes a choice, right? i want to really be a great like aeronautical engineer for example um how does ai personalize the learning experience for that kid so that the kid can harness the choice that the kid makes right almost like you know so then like you know the kind of question the format the learning experience the kind of like reading materials that gets like floated and everything becomes super personalized to achieve the objective of the kid where i think where the danger is is when uh, parents and teachers start like you know oh my child is not good in like literature mm. so you know um, I, I want the personalized experience for the kid to like take away all this like literature and throw it away and just focus on this like stuff right but whereas if the child was to make like you know I want to be uh, the best like in you know, a journalist and today like let's say the child has got no experience and no potential no nothing uh, to do with that AI actually has that capability to personalize that learning for that kid mm. to whatever choices and that really empowers that kid mm. is where um, I feel like the predictive side of things mm. can you know help a kid to to really harness the, 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 the choices that the kid wants um, so for me that is like I'm crazily like excited like I mm. feel like you know if you think about like choice and, and the freedom of choice mm. the, the, the ability for anyone to be anyone and anything and the ability mm. to learn all of that Happens because we can harness the technology, yeah. so um, that th- this is this is this is where my excitement is right, and
1: and an example of this, um, if I were to just expand a bit more on this, is sorry, I yeah. just interrupt. So yes, my my translation of that, it's like it's using uh, it's using data and pr- predictive analysis not to control because I think that's the fear that people have yeah. right? that like predictive will like choose what things I'm buying and will will program me to buy certain things and whatever right but it is about like using that technology to enable someone to achieve something that they couldn't th- think they couldn't have done because it can predict your obstacles, your roadblocks, and then yeah. figure out ways to help you to overcome Correct. that Correct. thing, right? Correct. Yes. 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 Um
0: and, and I just expand in an example, right? So, you know there was this uh uh, uh so there's this book called Superintelligence, uh written by Nick Bostrom and the there is is it was written in twenty fifteen and one of the table that he has is like, you know, how um AI is beating humans on games, right? Like so, uh, like, you know, how AI won the world grandmaster for like chess and like, you know, it's, I, I can't remember the year, but uh, you know, over time, like there's so many different games, um, that, that, that is like, you know, AI has actually, uh, uh won against. But yep. one of the game that was very complex in its nature, and, uh, it's going to be quite hard for like AI to be able to beat a human was this goal, right? Which is like the black and white, uh, uh uh, thingy on the board it's a board game go cool. um, and it like in 2015 Nick Bostrom predicted that it's going to be like you know in the next 10 years in the next mm-hmm. decade or two we will be able to like AI will be able to beat mm-hmm. uh, like you know humans so then they started experiment in 2015 you know we started uh, so the, 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 there's this company <laughs> called DeepMind who started beating uh like human but this is not like the i think there's like a ranking for like the, the, the in terms of like championship it was not the like the world world championship so sure. eventually in 2017 um you know deep minds alpha go was fighting against lee sedol who was like the world champion for like go and it was a game of like you know um like uh, a game of out of 5 i think so you know you need to like beat, like a best of three or some yeah. something of that sort right um and in that, in that process, the first two games uh, was won by AI. And in the beginning, before the first start of the game... Lee Sedol was super confident. Like, he was super confident. He's mm-hmm. going in and he's like, you know, I'm going to beat this. Like, no mm-hmm. mission is going to win me and I'm going to win this. First game, he loses. And you can almost see the confidence started. Like, you know, he's got this doubt. Like, maybe I can't win. Okay. Then he got really stressed. He tried a different strategy. The second one, he lost again. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, right, so when the two things happened in the first two two games then you're almost like, shit, like, I wanted at to win. I didn't care that DeepMind is a company under Google, like, you know, it was like, I, I didn't care any of that, like, I didn't want DeepMind to win, I didn't want AlphaGo to win, I wanted this human being to win. I almost, like, you know, it was almost like a, like an emotional investment, like, we can't, like, almost, like AI was a human, and I don't want AI to win, right? But at the same time, on, on, the way that this, this, this documentary was done, right, is that, uh, uh, even with regards to the, the Alpha Go, like the, the, the AI that's playing, there is like a team of people looking at like monitors and looking at like the graphs as each move is made by the computer, what is the success rate that it's predicting. So mm. some moves it's making or some moves the least at all makes, immediately, boom, it, like, you know, the success rate goes down to like 5% to mm. win the game. Like it's calculating like this probability mm. that, you know, at what chance it's going to be winning. And then like, you know, when it goes to like 95, then they're like, sure, like, you know, it's going to win. But they're all, like, you know, biting the nails. And, like, they're also, like, rooting for their program to work. Because it's a human-built program that yeah. they are also investing. So, there's, like, the human element to it. Like, someone is building an AI to beat a human. But then, on the other side, for Lee all it's, like, finding this stupid machine. And it's, like, winning him, like, twice in a row. And it's, like, completely broken. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's in- insane. And then, so, he's got to challenge himself. And he really has to find a way to, to beat that, that AI. Um, So, he comes back the next day, you know, fresh, you know, walks in, sits down, and it's game on. And he's, like, thinking really hard. So, in the beginning, he was making choices that was a lot more faster. But this time, he was taking a lot of time, super long time to just make one move. So, he's, like, you know, thinking, like, rapidly, right? And in the third game, he freaking wins at the very last moment. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, when he won, the AI was predicting at the 95%, like, success rate. But he made a creative move that was, like almost not predicted by AI that he won the third one, mm. which again challenged him, right? Like, he, he won and he was like super incredibly, like, you know, you can see that that that, that, that uh, satisfaction and then he comes back uh, and he gives like interview and then they go back to the day four and day five, uh, day four also, they, they, he he loses uh, and, and eventually he lost. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he only won one game and he lost the rest of the game to this AI. Yeah. But when he came uh, back uh, and, and it, Think of his whole journey. You can almost see, right? Day one, day two, when he's fighting AI, he almost crushed. His confidence was gone. He almost became a defeated uh, person. Then he won day three, and he had this newfound respect for that entire process. You can see it like, you know, visible like that's crazy on his face, right? He has got this newfound respect for the process that being able to fight against an AI, which can do all this like complex mathematical prediction, right? Um, To get to that, so then he feels like he has become better. So after this whole episode, right, um, when, when he, whenever he played with any other human beings ever, he has been like on a winning streak all the way. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he has been winning streak all the way is because that experience allowed mm-hmm. him to really challenge all the ways that he can play against uh, another opponent. And it almost made him a better player with the help of AI. Like, you know, that, that's the, the, the learning, right? Um, yeah. So, the whole learning of that is like, you know, AI can bring out the best and can mm. train humans in the best way possible that no other humans could have done it in, that, in, in the past. So, you mm-hmm. can also... So, imagine, right? The world with AI makes the humans even more better versions of themselves, yeah. which is where then the whole learning can be harnessed even further, right? Like yeah. the students can become like the best versions of themselves mm. because they are able to then train or fight or learn uh, with like something that is much more like complex but then like humans are much more complex than that so then they can learn uh uh together so there is that 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 the whole beauty uh in 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 um uh, ai like, which is making the world a better place so the 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 work the better place thing I'm, I'm i'm zooming in on like the process of learning yeah uh the, the ability to like you know model and predict like you know when even when it comes to, like world world challenges right like disasters and all that like you know can you analyze like you know which area is more prone to like flood which area yeah. is more prone to like accident and then can we like optimize can be like you know all of that that creating and building comes down to this this the predictive analysis part which is mm-hmm. what i'm deeply excited about fascinating yeah.
1: and so then oh i mean obviously there there's many things that you could say but <laughs> this is the optimistic view of, yes. of ai right yeah, yeah. and there's the other side of the world but that's a conversation for another time yeah. <laughs> um and yeah but like i think really exciting and like i've shared with you in the past i think that we're just going to eventually figure out how to hack the human brain we're going to be able to download information to a person upload whatever and stuff and the the expand the potential for humanity to do crazy things right but then we'll see what the downside of that is um okay so i think like yeah really fascinating i think um some of the things i'm taking away from it right is like I i think that piece um one thing that I think seems fundamental out of of this conversation is that piece about the intellectual humility. Right. And, um, because I think that we're, as we go on in life, if we take a learning approach, um, Mm. you know, and we're constantly learning, uh, the trap, um, is that piece of thinking that, you know, what it Mm. is. Right. And so I think then the balance of like the curiosity, the experimentation, um, the, the Mm. learning skills, um, needs to come with that balance of that intellectual humility right and that's always like the tension right to to be able to navigate uh everything through that intellectual humility in a way where it's not like oh i'm stupid and i don't know stuff mm. or i'm not as good because i don't know stuff and how do you then find that balance of actually like like let's learn together and create together and make the world what we want it to be right yeah cool stuff cool thank you everyone for listening love to hear back from you about um just any feedback that you have about this podcast we'd love to hear suggestions we'd love to hear topics that you're interested guests that you think we should invite onto the show uh and yeah whatever and you can reach us at something that will figure <laughs> out how you can reach yeah. us.
0: I, I think just uh just a one one call out is that uh so so the first one when we did the experiment, uh we spoke a lot around just like you know, discovering and it was very both way conversation. And this yeah. time around I think uh we we are trying this whole like interview format uh to to a certain extent. It's still very much a conversation, but it's an interview format, right? So uh, just to call out on that like you know if you think this is much better in terms of like being able to follow the conversations that'd be good to know but uh would le- really love to learn i think feedbacks have been quite um uh, interesting has been quite helpful for us uh, so yeah. thank you uh to our listeners I, we have got like 64 listeners according to data <laughs> 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 they're all like something's family and friends
1: <laughs> whoever follows me on instagram <laughs> got a conversion yes, rate of, let's say 200 <laughs> likes on the post oh really oh, that's that's not, <laughs> that's not bad
0: that's not bad that's quite good quite good uh, all right cool all right thank you thanks everyone bye